five for something. A. A, no, it's no five. I've not got six fingers. <laughs> okay, well, we're live now. We're just discussing um, accents. <laughs> we're discussing fifers and how they're going to, if the world ever floods, they'll be fine. Why? Right, okay, Andy does not Why? have a generic Scottish accent unless you've watched Train Spotting, but they have like an Edinburgh accent. They don't know. <laughs> the only one that actually has a Scottish accent, a Scottish accent, is Spud because he's actually from Scotland, from Edinburgh. Right. Well, where are you from then? Me, I'm a, a I'm a mongrel. Right. I'm from all over. I've never. I'm a. I'm a nobody. <laughs> what happened there? Where are you from? I thought you were from the borders. No, no. I'm from originally from Perth. Ooh, that's well yeah. I'm, from, I'm from I'm from Schoon. I'm from where they king the the crowned the Scottish king. So technically, I'm royalty. Just saying. Well, I think te- I don't know if that make, makes you technically royalty, but it definitely makes me royalty. Everyone's related to each other there, so probably is <laughs> more than likely. Yeah. So we got onto that topic because um, what happened yesterday? Rangers won their first ever league. Is that like a Scottish league? Yeah. So what, and shite. they've never won before? I thought they always won. The old, <laughs> the old club did. The new club didn't. Watch the backlash from this for any Rangers I fans who are listening. What, the old, so, what do you mean they the went, old they went club? Ban- they went bankrupt. I see. Right, okay. But, but, so but did, they build, did they beat Celtic? Yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Them. So, and then <laughs> I found really... So then everyone in Glasgow was, like, meeting up, rejoicing. I mean, just, okay, just the Rangers fans, right? Really? Just a small percentage of the Rangers fans. <laughs> but all I saw from it, because I, like, went on Twitter late last night, and it was, like, Nicholas Sturgeon being like, please don't congregate. <laughs> that was <funny. laughs> oh, Right, okay, yeah. so in Glasgow, um, from about two o'clock, there's been, there was fireworks like constantly going right all the way through the night and it was just so annoying. My dogs were really upset and panicked by it. <laughs> um, through the pandemic, my dogs were upset. By the fireworks or just the fact that Rangers won? <laughs> Wait, Shona, do you have a team? Oh no, I don't like football. Okay. No. Um, do you know I will say this right and, and I know she, for a fact she does not listen to this podcast but me and my hairdresser are done right and there's been lots of reasons why we're done including she's had various house parties and posted them on Instagram Wait, but also didn't she didn't she tell you that your hair extensions wouldn't have <laughs> wouldn't have a blood flow as well yeah she said she did say that um, my hair extensions I was not to worry because they, they didn't have a blood flow. I was like, all right, great, like the rest of my hair does. So like, what I- happens when you start cutting your hair? There's like a big pool of blood on the floor, like, yeah. <laughs> Crying tears yeah. of blood. Yes, yeah, so she's also, um, she also posted in support of Trump. Um, and then finally, when everyone was sharing like these awful um, shots of like George Square and like everyone packed together yesterday, she's like... We've got the best fans in the world. I'm like, hun, we're done. We're done. After this lockdown, I'm finding another hairdresser. Well, you know, if anyone wants to apply and lives in Glasgow, send <laughs> send I'll your applications applications in. quite soon. 
Uh, and also, it's International Women's Day. So, happy International Women's Day. Thank you. And happy International Women's Day to you as well, Emma. <laughs> Not you, Andy. <laughs> no, I did. <laughs> and I did wish of it. I did wish of it. Yeah, so that's been nice to see. Andy, it does. Like it to... does make you really grateful. Like, we had a chat of voice note yesterday about a little bit about like women and how far things have come in this country but how it's not the same in all countries and then it just made me think today like how lucky I've been and I know that like especially this year a lot of people have been speaking more and more about privilege and not just like financial privilege but white privilege or like skinny privilege or where you've been born and all these things and I don't think people speak enough about like mindset privilege like I have always been told that if I work hard I can basically achieve anything I want and like that has such a huge impact way more impactful I think than like where you were born or financial privilege I mean obviously all of it plays a part but that is huge Mm, I totally agree yeah and I think that's down to your parents isn't it or the support network that you've got oh yeah massively I guess I was thinking about it because International Women's Day I was thinking about my Mm mum but yeah so shall we get on with some questions absolutely (laughs) right who wants to go first I don't have any (laughs) we've got loads (laughs) don't we oh my god I so I think I answered over 50 chickens um commit to six chickens over the weekend um guys so, if yeah. you haven't checked in check in yeah right okay here we go uh i sometimes have mild sciatica flare-ups is there some anything you know that causes this or anything that can be done to help my glutes are an area i want to focus on shock so want i didn't say shock she said shock um <laughs> So want to make sure I can train them optimally. Have either of you had sciatica? I know, Emma, you've obviously had lots of back problems, but have you had sciatica? Yeah, that was part of it was sciatica, which so I know how horrible it is. I mm. don't think you could say X is going to flare up. Everyone's completely different. Um, mm-hmm. But Shona, you've probably done far more work in the rehab side of that. With, yeah, well, like, a lot I've, of people I've will had, struggle with that. Yeah, I've had sciatica. And my initial thought was um, because it was like a pain in my glutes, pain in my hamstrings, I thought that it was like tightness. And I think this is something that a lot of people do is that they then like attack it with aggressive stretching. And in fact, stretching makes it way worse. Um, So just avoid like too much hamstring, too much glute stretching. Um, And in fact, what helped me was just working on core things but obviously not core things that involve you like flexing or extending your spine so like anti-rotational or um stability core exercise like you know plank side planks um and also back extensions really helped me as well um so adding in like three sets of 10 of them throughout the day so that's lying on your front lifting your upper body um that really helped and generally it's just it's really frustrating because you want to work on your glutes but giving it some rest yeah, because actually, if you're then working better. on your glutes, you do, like, it does tend to tighten up and make things even worse. Uh, one thing that I was told by the physio to do, which I had to stop doing because I did it and then I couldn't even get out of bed the next day, but 
slightly different situation. Neural flossing. Have you heard of that? Yeah. 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 So it's basically like, I mean, you can just Google it, but it's like moving that um, nerve, I guess, like in and out of your, like, is it your... Is it your piriformis that your sciatic nerve sometimes goes through? And some people will be more predisposed to this than others because their nerve is closer to that muscle or goes directly through it, and some people's doesn't. Um, but yeah, they they suggested I do that. It was very very painful, and they were like, so yeah, that it will be painful. Like, but then I couldn't even walk. So was that when you lay on your back with your legs straight and you like pointed and flexed your foot? Is that what you yeah, did? but I like it wasn't even to that extent. It was just like you can do it sitting down as well, and you can move your head up and down like that. Right. I can mm-hmm. do. Oh my god! Yeah, wow. just sitting is mad, <laughs> isn't it? But yeah, so you can do that, and like um, you're meant to do it with your toe at the same time as your head. But I wouldn't mm-hmm. mean Google it because this is a very bad description. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's yeah. quite a sort of generic exercise, so you'll be able to just do that. Um, and also the McGill technique. I would look up as well. Cool. Andy? Everything you've said, nothing else, nothing else to add. I think the I think the biggest one is is the, the no stretching. Um I think everybody thinks when you get start to get sciatica, oh I need to stretch, stretch, stretch. Worst thing you can do is stretch. So mm-hmm. yes. And then I wouldn't sit down for too long. Just no. generally in life. But also if you have a sciatica. Exactly. Great advice. Great advice. Okay, Andy, have you got a question? I actually don't have any questions because it was the final templates that got sent out, so there is no question box. Oh, no! Oh, that's such a shame for Andy. <laughs> right, okay, right. There we go. Well, we'll no do, we'll do um, a question post in the group just to make sure that if anyone has yeah. a question, it's answered. Yeah. But... Yep. Or if you are watching live and Andy is your coach, you could comment below with your question. Okay, right, I'll crack on then. Oh, um, wait. Oh, we've oh. got a question guys yes. <laughs> Tamara I might be late to ask a question baby you're just in time but do you have any <laughs> guidance for timings and types of food to eat pre and post training good question good question unfortunately it completely depends <laughs> like there <laughs> isn't like a eat this don't eat that there are so many factors to consider like and this is such a broad question and it's going to be quite a broad answer unless you want to comment with a little bit more specifics like the time of day that you train when you normally eat around it but there is no like hard and fast rule here it would be great if you can get in protein within I would say two hours either side of your workout that would be fantastic if you can eat before your workout and this is quite individual some people don't like eating before their workout and work out absolutely fine other people feel like they can't train very hard if they don't work if they don't eat beforehand again like you kind of have to figure out what works for you other people will feel like they want to eat before but if they eat certain things then they feel sick before their workout okay so what can you eat that isn't going to make you feel that way a lot of it is trial and error and figuring out what works for you I know people that can walk into the gym eating and just crack on with the session and there are other people that are like I can't eat for two hours before the gym it's so variable and there isn't really a right or wrong either we might be more concerned if you were like an elite endurance athlete looking at going on a long ride and making sure that we were fueling that but if you're you know general population looking to improve your body composition 
you need to worry far less about that side of it and just make sure you're hitting your non-negotiables getting enough protein throughout the day getting enough calories throughout the day spacing those things out and worry like a little bit less about that and then just figure out for you what's going to optimize performance what makes you feel best when you're training anything to add guys um no not really no i think yeah you're so right it is dependent on the person isn't it like i'm one of those people that can be like sipping a really milky cappuccino (laughs) she does the warm-up which is really bad um but yeah i would say generally well it's really good really like because well i don't know i I, whenever i work with endurance athletes i think one of the biggest struggles that most of them have is fueling like during or close to a ride well i'm talking about like they're usually cyclists but i mean running is even worse because like eating before running or like having to stop and eat and then run again or during running and actually one of the skills I guess that you would want is to be able to eat like as close to or during training mm-hmm. so yeah. well done thanks and um, will we move on to another question yeah um okay I actually had I think two questions or there was loads of questions about um is it possible to gain muscle with running and then there was one question about, is it possible to gain muscle with swimming? Oh, yeah. We spoke about that, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, we did speak about that. We and spoke about my grandma. Can we, can we go over the grand, grandma story again? I feel like I tell this story all the time. But whenever people ask about swimming, I always think about my grandma. Because swimming can burn a huge amount of calories if you're quite a good swimmer or if you're very vigorous in your swimming. Mm-hmm. so if you're like michael phelps he obviously burns a huge amount of calories training and he is a swimmer but if you're like my grandma who just like totted, like walks over the road to the local swimming pool and then kind of just floats up and down but she's like she's always like i've done 100 lengths or maybe it was like 50 lengths which always to me was so impressive and then i remember going with her once and i was like okay so actually you're burning less calories than walking because and also but like potentially using less muscle than walking because you're not even carrying your own body weight Mm. so it depends how hard you're swimming and also kind of how good you are at swimming like I struggle to get a good workout in swimming because I'm not very good at it which means that I struggle to breathe I struggle to kind of push myself I would do it but only if that was the only form of exercise I could do whereas if you're quite a good swimmer then actually you know you can rack up a decent workout in the swimming pool so it that's a hard question because it completely depends how hard you're swimming yeah absolutely like I, I wouldn't use it as your way to build muscle like I think that was the context of the question was like is it okay to like replace a strength workout with a swimming session and I would I would definitely go for the strength like yeah. using your dumbbells at home or your resistance band and um, same with running what do we think about running because running obviously that uh, is going to be higher intensity than swimming I think, what do you think i think with both of these like you absolutely can do both like we want you to do anything you enjoy if you're a runner and you love running we don't want to mm-hmm. stop you running if you love going to the swimming pool we don't want to stop you swimming but will it build muscle no not to any significant amount but will it stop you building muscle no like as in you can do it alongside your strength training program 
and ideally you would do it on different days, but it still probably wouldn't be the end of the world if you went for a run the same day as you did resistance training, as long as you're fueling both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think as well, if you're running, um, I think a lot of people as well, certainly it's something that I get quite a lot. It's like, oh, you know, if you're putting sessions in for somebody who plays football, oh, I play football twice a week, so I don't need to train legs. No, that's not how this works. If you want to be a better runner, if you get in the gym, you'll be a better runner because you'll be stronger, you'll be have more endurance. Um, but um, and the same as swimming as well, because remember, running and swimming are very similar in the fact that if you've got a good technique, it can be very much effortless. Like these guys going through a pool with fantastic swimming strokes. How it- amazing does that look when someone's just like? Shh. Mm-hmm. Or do you know my favourite bit is when they're underwater and they do that little. Turn, yeah. No, the, the not turn. the tumble turn. Don't the like tumble that. turn and then the, the start when they go off the blocks and then they do that like to come up. The little dolphin movement. That's it. The dolphin thing. Incredible. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I, I went kayaking for like when I was a teenager. I went kayaking for a week, and I could not believe the size of my forearms at the end of the week like we were kayaking for like 15 hours a day like not even ex- 15 hours you know, you know, 15 hours okay let's say like five hours a day right so we're kayaking <laughs> for a really long time and I remember being like oh wow my forearms are so big yeah because like, that's what everyone really wants actually I know I the know. amount of clients that come to me that are like <laughs> just really want big forearms yeah but in saying that there's definitely ways to get bigger forearms than going five hours of kayaking a day. What's that? Well, like deadlifting, farmer's carries, like things like that. You don't have to spend five hours kayaking a day. But basically my point is, is that like there's better ways to build muscle in your legs than running and swimming. Yes. Like squats, squats and lunges. Um, okay, so also I know newbie gains are a thing, but if you have only worked on your upper body, and then you start with the lower body, do you still get the newbie gains for the lower body? Oh, um, what a good question. I would yeah. say, yeah, like if, you're, if you've not done serious squats before, for example, and then you start squatting, like, yeah, you'll improve, your strength will improve rapidly. Then the same vice versa. If you're someone who's never really done much upper body and then you start doing upper body, your strength will improve very quickly you'll probably build a bit more muscle. Do remember that most of the newbie gains in terms of weights you're lifting in the gym actually come from being able to recruit the muscle that you already have as opposed to building new muscle. So you're improving your strength, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're building muscle at that speed, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what a cool question. And yeah, I think you would. Yeah, and I think this person is experiencing major doms now because she's just started some lower body sessions so yeah she's literally proving the proving your point there um okay so i am i struggle to stick to routines even though they help me and especially when i'm stressed because i sleep poorly any tips on how to implement routines when you're feeling depleted start putting things in your diary like put things in as like um it's one of the ones that I always use with like clients that work, I work with in person to make sure that they have time in their diary that's set aside for training so it steps them away from the office. And you can do that with anything. You can do that with um, you know, things like at lunchtime getting up and going for a walk, put it in your diary. So take put it in the diary, get up, go for a walk. Um, put in the, your diary, time for training. 
this is what I'm going to do. And just making sure that you're just going to be a bit more sort of disciplined with yourself. Unfortunately, we can tell you as till we're blue in the face about what you need to do, but at the end of the day, you're the one that needs to do it. So find a plan that works for you. And I always generally say making time for it um, and sticking to that will always work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the whole point in a routine is that it becomes a routine and then you don't really need to think about sticking to it because, you know, like your morning routine of like getting up and brushing your teeth, it's not it's not hard to do because it's what you do every morning. Like, it, And if you can do things like there are little tricks to doing it. So we've implemented some of these, like the fact that you have an accountability post every day. So you're being accountable to someone. You need to tick that off every day. You can do things like habit stack okay, when I brush my teeth, I also do my morning routine. That just means turning around, doing some squats, doing some push-ups, doing some sit-ups. Like, what are the things that are going to trigger you to do that? And you can create an environment that makes it easy, right? If I want to work out in the morning, I'm going to make it harder for me not to work out than to work out, i.e. I'm going to set out my dumbbells, my mat, and like have my gym kit ready, but not, you know, my work stuff's going to stay in my wardrobe. So I would have to go out of my way to put the workout stuff away if I wasn't going to work out without doing a workout. Like just setting yourself up for success with little things like that can make a big difference. And then just like keep reminding yourself about how these little habits like create really big results over time. Um, What's that called again? Oh, is it something about marginal gains? No? Yeah, you could call it marginal gains, but uh, yeah. Think of it as marginal gains. Mm -hmm. Small habits, Mm -hmm. significant results. Okay, do you want another question? Yes. Okay, let me get it up. All right, the answer to this is probably keep tracking, but I, I have tracking lethargy. I did three rounds of the EC method before commit to six and although I know it works I'd like to be able to gradually move away from it any tips for keeping on track with foods you eat and calories protein you're consuming without having to track every item I don't feel confident enough yet to estimate everything and want to be accountable but I'm finding tracking mildly arduous Um, and then there was another question that was kind of similar it was like how to be more mindful with food without it taking over my life And I think this person was like, I really don't want to use my fitness pal, but I really like she really wants to still achieve her fat loss goals. So I think this is probably quite a good um, discussion topic. What do you think, guys? Yeah, let's let's go all in. Um, Mm. Shona, do you want to start? Uh, Oh, oh, uh, um, okay. So (laughs) what was it I said to this person? Um, I really like the advice that you um, give Emma about tracking the days that you think that you so this person said she doesn't feel confident enough yet to estimate everything um and generally people are really good quote unquote uh, monday to thursday and then that's when they feel that they go off plan on friday saturday so my suggestion was why don't you track the days where you think that you might go off plan and then not track the day the other days like sunday to thursday um, so I really like that. You, that's advice that you give, isn't it? Yeah, I think just because a lot of us get into a really good routine during the week or on certain days. Yeah. And you're tracking the same thing that you had yesterday. Like, you know, before you put it in the app, what you're tracking. Yeah. 
And then yeah. I think reminding yourself why tracking works. And we've been over this like numerous times, but tracking calories isn't accurate. Even if you are very accurate at putting in the data, it's still not accurate. And the fact is most people aren't that good at putting in the data, but the data itself is wrong anyway. So the benefit you're getting from tracking isn't the specific number. The benefit you're getting is the accountability. It's the pause moment before you put something in your mouth. It's actually thinking about it. Okay, what am I having? Does, you know, you're looking at the nutrition of what you're about to eat. You're really thinking about what you're putting in your body. That's why it works not because of a specific number. And then you're accountable to that because it's there in the app and you know that like, that's what you've had. Mm-hmm. But you don't need to track to have that accountability. And you can do little things to move away from it. Like you can just take photos of your food just for that accountability, for that pause. You can do things like having a little checklist that you ask yourself before you eat. So like, am I hungry? What's my hunger rating out of 10? I, you know, little routines, like instead of just grabbing something on the go, I'm going to have a rule where I sit down and actually enjoy my meal. And I think about how hungry I am and I think about my satiety signals and I take at least 10 minutes to eat my meal instead of wolfing it down. Like I don't eat standing up. All these little things that can help you become more aware of your own hunger and eat in accordance to that are really useful. Things like the reason that... I don't snack or I set myself rules sometimes of like I don't in fact I still do this now I don't eat after my last meal and I don't snack but I also don't track calories Mm. and I know roughly what I'm getting because I can eyeball things and obviously that comes with having tracked for a while but if you've done two rounds or three rounds of the EC method like you've been tracking for a significant amount of time I don't think you're going to learn anything more from tracking more now all you're getting from it is the accountability side which you don't need um to get from tracking like you still might need the accountability but you don't need that from tracking so there are different things you can do um and the reason i set myself those kind of rules is just because it's so much easier to get my head around like three or four meals a day than it is little snacks here and there which do add up and then if if you are someone who eats out a hell of a lot, eats on the go a hell of a lot, like snacking all day, then actually tracking calories is probably quite a good way to make sure that you're managing everything that's going in. If you're someone who's quite happy to be like, no, I'll have three meals a day and like one smaller meal or one like pre-workout meal or a shake or something, which is generally how I eat, then you you know, you can just get into a good routine of that. You don't necessarily need to track. And then as Shona's saying, if you do have a day where you're like, okay, it's the weekend and I know this weekend I'm going away. I mean, you're not going away at the moment, but I'm going away with girls and I don't know what I'll be eating or when I'll be eating it. I'll probably have some snacks here. I'll probably eat this here. I'll probably have a few drinks. Maybe those are the occasions where you do need to track a little bit more because you need to be accountable for it. Or maybe those are the occasions where you're like, I'm going to have a little bit of a break from tracking. But I just mean that if the more variety you have and the more like spontaneity in your diet or your patterns of eating, probably the more useful tracking becomes. Yeah, I think um, the first thing I do, like I'm, I'm the same as you, I don't track anymore. I've not done for a long time yet. I'm pretty good at cutting without tracking. Um, one, because I know what I'm doing. And two, because I create, mine's is just creating routine, is I'm having the same three meals for my first three and then my fourth one can play a little bit off plan. And I know exactly what I'm doing with my first three meals because it's generally the same thing every time getting a bit of variety in with sort of veg and stuff like that but 
the general sort of staples are the same. Um, so, you know, creating routine can also help because, you know, there's, I know we get these on the sort of, they commit to sex group, there's so many folk put up pictures like, and it's like, honestly, some of the meals that people put up, you sit and go, a lot of folk just don't have the time to be able to do that at lunchtime. Like they don't have the time to, to prep that at lunchtime. So being able to routine stuff is maybe a good idea for someone who's wanting to step away from counting calories, from sort of your tracking calories. Um, but as you said, if you are that spontaneity, um, on spontaneity with your food and stuff like that, tracking's probably going to be the one that's going to work for you. Yeah, or even getting a routine with some of your meals, like cool breakfast yeah. and lunch is normally X and X, and like you can change around your veg options or your protein source or whatever. And then okay, dinner's the one I have with my family, and that's a bit more flexible. But maybe I keep a bit more of an eye on what I'm actually getting in there because that's the one that's changing. Yeah. Um, I do think that this is such an important topic to keep covering though because there there comes a point where tracking is no longer useful and it can become obsessive and it can make it can trip you up because you will get bored and you will get annoyed and you will lose motivation and that's when you end up starting to put the weight back on or not getting the results that you want and it can also impact your relationship with food as well so there does like and we need to outline this with clients and everyone's so different which is why it's quite hard because it's not like cool you need to track for x amount of time and then we're going to stop you tracking some people are absolutely fine tracking and it doesn't really impact their life and they don't feel over restricted by it other people don't feel that way and and most people are happy to do it for a period of time and then they want to move away from it so it's just working with you and what works best for you really but it's completely normal to feel this way i think oh yeah also i think at the moment as well if you've done if the if you've done three rounds of the ec um you've got a general handle on food maybe now is a good time whilst you've got three coaches here to support you through it to try eating without using without tracking you know it's maybe a good idea when you've got the support of the group and us to try and take the stabilizers off and try it um you know what's what's to lose you might find that it doesn't work for you and you just go back to tracking again so yeah um good point you know, you've, got, you've got nothing to lose and i would just do for the first week just to sort of build your confidence mm-hmm. yeah. eat the same as what you did last week yeah. which you're probably doing anyway yeah that's a really good idea andy love it um, okay, how does salt intake affect weight loss, general health? I know it's not great, and that's about the extent of what I know. And any suggestion for a decent seasoning or alternative that I could maybe substitute it for, add to lower the quantity of it, please? I know I put too much salt on my food and definitely want to cut down on how much I have. My sister and her boyfriend have recently taken to commenting on it now too, which pisses me off a bit, to be honest. Would much rather they focused on their own food, not mine. <gasps> oh, Sasminda! <laughs> I just like imagine her with a big salt grinder, and they're like, mm, "To be fair, much- it should be the meme with Kermit, but with a salt grinder instead of a cup of tea. <laughs> just call her, call her Salt Bay from now on. Salty. <laughs> <laughs> um. I okay so some salt isn't bad and actually some salt is good the problem the reason that most people and like the sort of general government guidelines is like to reduce the amount of salt intake is that most people eat processed food which is full of salt 
if you're eating like quote unquote clean food or basically you're making your own food that doesn't have any salt in it then actually some salt is good like your body is in such an amazing balance of hydration that it will want to maintain a certain salt level which means that and I mean I'm not suggesting you eat a hell of a lot of salt but if you do eat more salt then your body will make you more thirsty to dilute that amount of salt or to pee some of it out. Like, your body's pretty incredible at how it works. And and for example, like, if you're someone who exercises a lot or sweats a lot and loses a lot of salt in their sweat, then actually replacing salt is quite important as well. So, Mm -hmm. the like, the the blanket statement of salt is bad is wrong. Mm -hmm. But most of us eat too much salt. Similar with sugar. Like, most people, generally the guidelines are reduce your sugar consumption. But that doesn't, and then people extrapolate that to, right, so sugar's bad. No, it's just that most of us eat too much of it. And like the general diet has too much sugar in. That doesn't mean that you need to stop eating fruit because there's sugar in fruit. Like it can be taken out of context. So if you're someone who has a very like quote unquote good diet, I wouldn't worry too much about salt. And actually the impact of salt on your blood pressure is far less um, causal than we think. And it, and the reason I'm being quite dubious, or not dubious, but like I'm being quite careful with what I say here is that I've looked at this research numerous times and worked in cardiovascular disease labs and I still can't get my head around the, the direct causal effects. It seems to be much more impactful in some people than others. And if you do have high blood pressure, um, your doctor probably will recommend that you reduce salt. But for people who don't have that, there's not necessarily a benefit of reducing salt. Now, that's, I would say, within a normal range. Like, that doesn't mean just crack on and have all the salt that you want. But it also, I wouldn't be worried too much. I mean, don't know how much you're salting your food. But some salt is a good thing. It's just too Mm -hmm. much is not a good thing. And when it comes to alternatives, a lot of the alternatives also have salt in so if you're like, oh, I'll just put Cajun spice on instead, like I'm pretty sure there's just salt in that, and that's probably why you mm. like it as well. Um, what do you guys spice with? I often use like cayenne pepper. What do you guys spice what with? What do you normally spice with? <laughs> I am actually quite a big Cajun spice gal. Paprika. Mm, paprika smoked paprika. Mm. I like paprika, paprika. Yeah. I'm like, I think you're Human. right. Though, I think it. I like sriracha. Coriander. I know, we're just Cor- saying. Yeah. Cilantro. Ooh. <laughs> it's cori- just coriander, isn't it? Yeah. It's, um, well, nah, my, my usual ones are certainly stuff like, well, with ch- I, mean, I, will, I use different spices for different things. So Yeah, of like, course. Probably, probably my favourite stuff is, um, my, well, salt, I'm going to say, is, is one of the ah, ones that I yeah, use. Yeah, I love salt. I love yeah. salt. salt. I love salt, to be fair. Cayenne pepper, paprika, yep. smoked paprika. Um, I quite like mustard powder at the moment as well on certain types of meat. Yeah, it's um, certainly on lamb. Like I did lamb, did I cooked lamb oh, yesterday? But mint on lamb. Well, rosemary, thyme, garlic, salt, and mustard powder into some oil, into some oil, and then Ooh. just marinate it in that. Tidy. Oh, so tidy. So tidy. So, but yeah. 
It's um, I think a lot of it's it's a lot of it's on your taste though, because there are some things there that like you know you that just don't a don't go with what you're trying to cook, and b sometimes you just can't handle you just don't like the taste of it. Because I know there's like a whole host of people who hate coriander, and I'm I actually quite like coriander. I think coriander's oh, it's a dream, pretty especially good. fresh. Oh, when fresh salsa, basil. Mm. and coriander and salsa is just different different gravy it's amazing but you've got all these people like, Ooh, coriander Ugh. yeah it does seem to be like, isn't there a genetic is not like component? a genetic thing yeah like, yeah. yeah like some people actually like soap in their mouth Russell yeah. sprouts well like i think itself. it's any veg like some people taste it a different way because they don't have a certain enzyme that breaks it down I thought, Andy, you meant that you season with Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I, I, the Just only thing I would sprouts. use Brussels sprouts for is to throw at people. Into Brussels their mouth. are genuinely the piles of vegetables. But you, so you like coriander, but not Brussels sprouts? Yeah, coriander's great. Mm. Brussels sprouts are honking. I think also as well, do you know how you, have, you get that fear from when you're a kid and you have something like at school? Like for years, I can't, I still can't eat custard because the custard from that I used to have at primary school was the absolute like pits of custard. So you cannot eat, like, it's one of those ones that as soon as you get that image in your head, you're just like, Ooh! Brussels sprouts. Remember being about maybe eight or nine, getting Brussels sprouts, try to hide them, and then being told you need to eat your Brussels sprouts, try to swallow it whole, nearly choked to death, not doing Brussels sprouts again. <laughs> you know what I really miss is. Spicy peas from Nando's. No, you're such a Nando's girl. No, but well, I used to get them from Aldi, and then they stopped doing them, and I was obsessed. Like the whole fr- freezer was like full of these peas. My flatmate was like, <laughs> "All right, weirdo. Yeah. All right then. <laughs> Can you not just make them yourself? I mean, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just it's probably just peas with like chili. <laughs> Peas and salt and chilli. Yeah. I have to look up the re- recipe. Yeah. Um, what is your opinion on diet fizzy drinks like Diet Coke? I have made maybe two cans a day, possibly three, been previously told by a PT not to drink them. <laughs> what? <laughs> um you don't really hear people talk about this anymore, but there was a spell when everyone was like so anti Diet Coke and aspartame. Anti aspartame, it gives you yeah. cancer. Ah! Yeah. Ken. I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm sure Emma does. But I think it's like 32 point... litres of Diet Coke. Right. So 30 Which actually would likely give you a hyponatremia before you were drinking enough to. Yeah. So you drown before you get anything toxic in your yeah, body. fluid in your brain, okay. probably, before you would be <laughs> drinking a high enough quality of Diet Coke to give you that risk of cancer. And then also, it wouldn't just be one day of that. Like, ah, you need to keep doing that yeah, every day. Every single mm. day. It's not like, it's the same as like, you don't smoke one cigarette and get cancer. Well, I mean, some people unfortunately do, but that was probably not the cause of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's the... It's the exposure to that level of aspartame over a long period of time. And I also think there were other issues with the studies, like research on... So, for example, you would never get ethical approval to give humans that much. So we don't know what the response in humans would be. And the studies that they do on cancer in mice, the mice are normally genetically bred 
to form tumours. So what it showed was that these mice who were already genetically bred to form cancerous tumours had increased rates of tumour growth when they were exposed to that level of aspartame. I don't think you can really extrapolate that out to like very, like probably like a, a thousandth of the dose in humans. Yeah. Especially considering the size of a mouse as well. Mm. I think like if you, if two or three cans a day help you like curb that little sugar. Yeah, for I little would say you need two or three cans is quite a lot. Would you say that? If your, de- if your dentist was speaking to you, yeah. you'd probably get a slap around the head for that. But, and probably, uh, well, like, a lot of people don't realise that there's caffeine in Diet Coke and, and if you're drinking them later in the day, it can have an effect on your sleep. That's another thing to consider. All very valid points, yes. Yeah. Okay, uh, right, here's a good one. I have a question on static stretching. I know it's shown to have a negative impact on performance when done pre-workout. And I've also seen stuff saying it can even have a negative effect on rest days. I've never really done a lot of stretching and have poor flexibility. That doesn't really bother me. And my main aim is performance at the minute. But would you recommend stretching to improve flexibility for overall health? For overall health? What do we think? What do we think? I thought Boris would come back there. Uh, what do we think about overall health then, lads? What do we think? Well, it is, you know when you're at personal trainer school and they're like, these are the factors of fitness or whatever, and it's like yep. cardiovascular, strength, yeah. muscle endurance, flexibility. So, right, like, I just it... think, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, but it does not deserve its place among those other things. Yeah. I've just been hit by a bus, but I'm flexible enough that I just managed to bounce out the way of it. <laughs> I do think that maybe mobility, but I'm more th- I more. Yeah. think that the barrier to its benefit of health is very low. So that you basically saturate that quite quickly. Like if you can, if you're flexible enough to be able to like tie your shoelaces and lean behind you, like basically for functional living, like you can lean behind you to pick something up and you can bend over and tie your shoelaces, then I think the benefit above that to flexibility doesn't really improve your health. Mm. When we're talking and about health is like quality of life. Yeah, that's literally what I said in my reply to that question. It's like, because um, one of my friends is like a use it or lose it trainer. Have you ever heard of that? So like she goes to, well, before COVID, um, she goes to like care homes and she does like classes oh, for people. Oh, I love and, that. Yeah, and they're sat in chairs and... Like they like move their arms and like they they have a go at bending over and stuff, um. But if you're in commit to six, chances are that's not something that's gonna affect you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's just being able to like bend over and pick something up or get up off the floor if you fall down, um. Get yourself up a set of stairs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what would be great is like the mobility to be able to do a good squat, which actually a lot of people don't have. So if like that would be a really great aim. But see, like, past that, like, I mean, if one of your goals is I want to do the splits, fine. But it doesn't add anything to your health. Yeah, even even then with, like, with getting to, like, this sort of... We've got one through here that one of my mates runs for the Edinburgh uh, Leisure called Steady Steps. And it's... Not as most good. Of it, Use it or lose it is such a better name. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit based on things like balance, like, not flexibility, like, 
Who knows a 95-year-old woman who's wanting to try and touch the floor? The balance, the, the the biggest issue for her is walking down the street and not falling over if she trips. Yeah, that's yeah. the issue. Flexibility is going to do bugger all for you with that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, for me, I always find it's always really weird because remember getting told, and as you say, when you're doing your PT stuff, you need to start and you need to stretch, but you can't stretch a cold muscle because it's like toffee. So you've got to be able to bend it. So you've got to warm up first, but then like. Little, little simple things like some people just aren't designed to stretch in certain ways like remember you used to get told when I, when I played football you need to start um, rotating your ankle like rotate your toe so that your ankle's mobile as soon as I did that straight over my ankle my ankle was goosed for that was it like every time I did it I would my, my ankle would give out so you know I think um I think flexibility for me, mobility is the, probably the biggest one for me that's the yeah. one I would t- the boxes I would tick flexibility yeah. like pfft, yeah, I it's remember, nice to be I think this was at uni rather than uh, personal training school. But, you know, they do like, oh, these are your, like we were doing fitness tests. One of the fitness tests is a sit and reach test. Yeah, how shite is that? Like, how is that fitness? And then it would be like, oh, let's see if these have improved. It's just so, like, it's quite random. Do you remember there was um like a screening program? I'm sure it was called like AFN or something or AFN. Maybe I'm just thinking of AFM. (laughs) I don't know. It was called something. It was like an acronym for something. And it was quite popular, I would say, like five years ago. And everyone did this sort of screening. And it was like you were meant to do it with your clients on their first session. And then it would kind of tell you what they could and couldn't do, which was so stupid. And I again, like, obviously, I still had a bad back back then. And I was like ticked off to be like perfect for everything. And I was like, I can't squat or deadlift. Mm-hmm. so what is this yeah. really telling us like it didn't really tell you anything and then same with some of my clients would like not get the you know eight out of ten or whatever it was on the testing and it would be like well you shouldn't be squatting with them yeah they're fine squatting mm-hmm. that's i think that's the biggest that's one of the big issues with the, the whole screening thing is, is the screening like screening for certain things it's like if you even going into like working with like, young athletes and stuff like that you're going to have a number of them who can overhead squat which is one of the the testing points in young athletes is to overhead squat but then you've got other guys who just are never going to be able to overhead squat same as pistol squats you're either designed to do a pistol squat or you're not it's as simple mm-hmm. as that yeah hips working the right angles happy days if they don't you're screwed you're never going to do one mm-hmm. so using it as a screening is probably not a good idea yeah, um, i think especially you know, with young athletes and especially because half the time it's just completely dependent on their developmental age like yeah yeah i don't know like especially i always felt sorry for like guys who had just had a growth spurt or something and it like they would be awful in the weights room because they don't know what they're doing with their like six foot body that they've just sort of grown and they're really uncoordinated and then to have them trying to do an overhead squat yeah but also no, probably gives no them point. a huge benefit because they've actually gone through puberty so they have this like exercise mm-hmm. benefit yeah. but then there's like some short guy who's not been who's not had that growth but yet they'll be able to overhead squat perfectly i think yeah the testing things are really tough i think especially as people are going through i also think as well you don't think that a lot of the screening stuff is actually has really very little to do with what 
you're actually attempting to get with your clients, especially in like for for what we do. Oh, for what like, we do, it's completely can, pointless. You can, yeah, you know, if you even but even if you're like working with somebody in a gym, like the screening, like those those stuff, like whoever it was that did the the screening stuff, like a sit and reach, like can what's a sit and reach got to do with any form of posi- that we're trying to help you with? Hi, like, it, it's like the meme I shared about um, animal floor. animal flow. It's like, hi, I've come for weight loss. Um, and I'd really like to improve my strength. Okay, sit and reach. Sit and reach chest. Okay, and they're like, I've not built any strength and I've not lost any weight in six weeks. Right, but you can touch your toes now. Don't don't start me on animal flow because I, that is my, fucking hate it. Absolutely, it is like hilariously funny. It's like, I remember watching somebody, that's like, so older lady comes in the gym. um, Picture the scene. Very glamorous, very glamorous, but also extremely high-flying job. Like, and ah. what's the first thing that she's got been get to do? Just crawl around the floor like a bear. Fuck off. I always like, think of, like, my mum or something coming in and some yeah. someone just, yeah, Professor Story, just uh, just follow me. We're just going to crawl around the gym. The thing I is, I, I don't hate it. Like, I don't know enough about it to hate it. I just think it's wrongly used. Like, maybe some people really enjoy it and they really enjoy that movement. And if that's something you want to do, then crack on. Like, I'm all for all exercise. But when someone yeah. comes in and they're like, I'm really intimidated by the gym and I just want to lose a little bit of weight. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to use a couple of machines. And you're like, Great. let's prance around the gym like a unicorn. Have you seen the animal flow where they like tie them up and they put um, like harnesses on them and then attach that, it? To yes, the, like, I have. Ring. That looks quite and fun. And get them to like crawl away. Whole different thing. <laughs> <laughs> Got the leather gimp mask on and everything. That's a that's a different type of training. <laughs> Can I tell you, like, just talking about um, embarrassing your clients? I remember, like, I think I'd been a PT for like one year. And I had a brand new client. Um, I think she was in for like a consultation or like a trial session or something like that. And it was also Halloween. And I was dressed up as a leopard, like a full leopard. I think I've seen hat. photos of this. Yeah. And I was like, and I remember her walking down the stairs towards me. And I remember the last conversation she'd had been like, I'm really nervous about coming to the gym. <laughs> I don't want anyone to look at me. And I'm like, yes! <laughs> Yeah, but at it's least okay, like no at least she's like literally no one will be looking at her because they'll all be like yeah. oh, exactly. I'm taking the attention right off you. Do not stress in the slightest. <laughs> I'm gonna go and prowl around the corner. Give me two ticks. <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, can I just uh, just one more thing on this topic? Um, I had quite a lot of people say that they were struggling with the banded overhead squats. Um, and they couldn't do it anywhere near like Emma can in the video. Emma's got her hands like close together and she's getting all the way down. Emma's like got insane mobility there um, and lots of people were like, I just couldn't do it. And I was like, I don't think I could do it either. Yeah, um, I wouldn't worry about it. So like yeah. the thing is, it almost, and I think just to reassure people, almost everyone struggles with the overhead squat. And it's part right. of the reason I put it in there. Like, it's not... A lot of people are like, can I just do a squat instead? No, squats are already in your program. The whole point is, if you find something hard, work on it. And actually, yeah. it shows a lot of weaknesses in the squat. Because you can't overhead squat with bad form. Like, yep. you have to be in the right position. And I don't expect people to be able to do it first time perfectly. 
So I want you to think of it as like a bit of a challenge, like something you're working towards, but don't mm -hmm. worry if you can't do it. Like, and if you can't do it, the answer isn't to swap it out. It's just to keep working on it. And there are yep. loads of other things within the program that are working your legs. So you're not missing out on it. I've not put it in there specifically to work your legs. I've kind of put it in there as a bit of a challenge for you. Love it. Um, okay, is it suboptimal to do the likes of split squats or other such exercises which make my quads cry and then try and run the next day or will they help improve my running? I assume the doms will get easier and running won't be such a struggle. Um, I think immediately, like the day after doing split squats and other such exercises, your running's not going to be great. Like your yeah. your legs not are gonna that feel quick, heavy. but you're going to adapt the next day. No, no. no. <laughs> I'm Usain Bolt. <laughs> but in time, doing single leg exercises are a great idea for runners, mm -hmm. aren't they? Um, so yeah, don't worry. I think your legs are going to get stronger. You're going to be powering up those hills with those strong hamstrings. So yeah. Um, don't worry about it and the doms will get easier they'll go away uh, a lot of people like find that they've been doing tons of leg work like they've been doing loads of squats but then as soon as you add in like single leg work so like lunges or split squats or bulgarian split squats suddenly they're feeling all these doms um which just means that they're really great for you and you should crack on with them any other thoughts on that no, I, I agree. I just wanted to touch on, because I think a couple of people, like I sent out new workouts. Mm -hmm. uh, we've spoken about this before, but I actually don't mind. And in fact, I would kind of prefer, even though it seems weird that I've sent you new workouts and I'm like, actually would prefer you to stay with week one and two. Just because you'll get so much more from doing at least, at the very least, four weeks of a training program before moving on. But mm -hmm. some people wanted some variety, so there is variety there. That's more important for people who are doing the home workouts, like unweighted workouts, just because they get quite boring quite quickly. But please don't think, if you're like, oh, I've just gotten a good routine of doing these, like bearing in mind you've only done them for two weeks, that's really not long enough to get the most out of them. If you're like, right, I'm just gonna work on these for the next two weeks again, and try and increase the weight each time or try and increase my time or try and increase the intensity in some way, you will probably get better results than moving on to the other workouts. But I know some people wanted that variety. So I am trying to please everyone. It's also a little bit confusing for people, although I've tried to label them all, that there are obviously home workouts for people who don't have any equipment apart from a band. There are dumbbell workouts for people who have dumbbells. There are gym workouts for people who have access to a gym or have enough equipment at home to sort of use the gym workouts anyway. Um, so there is quite a lot on there. So if you're confused, just let us know. But uh, if you were happy doing the first round, I'm going to leave those workouts up because I know a lot of people are just going to work on those and progress those. Yeah, I've got quite a few people through check-ins over the weekend that are going to stick with weeks one, or I've recommended to stick with weeks one and two, especially if the fact that they can progress things. I think the the um, the, the biggest, I think the biggest hurdle that um, the biggest, not the biggest hurdle that we have, but as coaches for what we're trying to do for six weeks, as you, as Emma rightly says, is that you know you've invested in a in a program you need to see some variety if that's the case but actually the six weeks would probably be better to stick to one program and progress that program 
but we have we we give you yeah. the opportunity to, to do the rest to do new stuff so i think from next intake and especially when the gym start opening again and we're going to change it up so it'll be i mean it would be better to have the same everyone on the same program for six weeks but mm. that's maybe a bit of a push so let's we'll go for three weeks when we'll change it halfway that's a good idea compromise um, would you like another question uh, yes okay um i am a little ocd i need to track every calorie if i don't then i just stop tracking altogether for that day but sometimes i want to be able to treat myself and have a takeout or a pastry but i don't know how much calories they are and it's hard to estimate because i don't know how much butter they use etc is there a way for me to be able to enjoy something like that once in a while without ruining my whole day afterwards because I want to save calories for a treat at the weekend but don't exactly know how much I need to save. So later on I feel bad about myself because I'm not sticking to my calories or the plan. I probably am but don't know for sure. So I tend to feel bad then have a tendency to fuck everything up like a shit cake and mostly feel like the biggest shit cake. Don't want to feel like a shit cake. (laughs) I think you're overthinking for a start. That's like overthinking beyond belief like if it is you know, but i think that so many people will resonate with this like you yeah, yeah. as you were saying that i'm like yeah we need to massively change your mindset but mm. so many people come with this mindset yeah. and i speak about it all the time it's this perfectionist mindset and that's why we try and instill right from the start like imperfect action and in answer to your question yes you can have something yes you can enjoy it yes you can stop feeling guilty about it blah blah but the way that you do that is by changing your mindset around it. There's nothing else. It's not like Shona's going to be like, yes, allocate 500 calories and forget about it. Like, no, no, no. That kind of just like glosses over the problem. The problem is how you're thinking about the process. And you need to remind yourself that imperfect action gets results. Perfectionism is not the answer. Perfectionism shouldn't be idealized and it's short-lived. And you've proven that to yourself again and again, that like you're either perfect or you're not perfect. And the reason that you go on and off is because it's completely unmaintainable to stay quote unquote perfect, tracking every single gram. And you don't need to do that to get results. And you will soon soon start to resent that and you'll resent the progress, the process and you'll resent like you'll run out of motivation because that's a fucking full time job. Like, tracking everything to that extent and it's exhausting and it's completely unnecessary so that's what we need to work on and it's not an easy fix unfortunately sorry i'm sorry it's not just like yes order this from the takeout (laughs) i think as well like if you look over the course of the weekend as well or the last two weeks or the first two weeks of sort of commit to sex there's been a few posts getting popped up about oh had a shit day did this but they've all like within that post that's come up they've been using it as accountability to say i've had my i've I've had my little thing i've had my shit cake yeah the lines the lines drawn under it and we're now back on back on track again and i think that's you know that's the biggest one don't like i think as as emma mentioned the whole this whole perfectionist attitude like and it's it's very difficult to get out of like you know i I was a very much that because of playing sport. Like I was pretty much because you do the same things every single day, but letting go of that and realizing that you know life isn't perfect. 
you know, there are going to be ups and downs and it's about how you react to them and work it from there. You know, just because you've had a bad day doesn't mean that you then chuck it and then that's it. Like, you know, like, right, okay, I had the bad day. Tomorrow we're back on track again. We're going yeah. to go back. Or even start, start. like you don't need to wait until tomorrow. Your next yeah. meal, you're back on track. But Andy's totally. completely nailed it there. Slip ups are inevitable. It's inevitable. You cannot be perfect all the time. And it's how you respond to a slip up that dictates your results like everyone will have a day where they ate a little bit too much or a meal where they ate a little bit too much or they wanted something here or they missed a workout or anything like that it's how you respond to that that will dictate your long-term results because all of this is done on averages like you don't get fitter from one workout you don't get like you don't lose fat from eating one salad like it's your consistent effort and it's your consistent imperfect action that's going to get you results and it's how you respond to those slip-ups if you let that massively derail you and then you're you know off the track for a couple of days that's going to have a far bigger impact than the fact that you ate three cookies which will have absolutely like you will not see the result of that if you just get straight back on track exactly you know we've you've mentioned this previously in other podcasts as well if you are 80% 80% if you give 80% all the time rather than 100% for a week you're going to get better results doing 80% for longer you know 100% because 100% is tiring as as you mentioned like trying to be perfect I, I honestly like I remember what that used to feel like when I was playing football and I'm so happy that I'm not like that anymore if I have a if I have a bad one you know, write it off, start again. You know, that's just, that's the way that, that's how life works. Yeah, and then on the flip side of that, balance is really, really hard. Like, yeah. that's why people struggle so much. And for a short period of time, 100% is easier because it's saying yeah. yes or no to something. Like, it's, it's okay, I'm going to be 100% on this. I'm not going to deviate from anything. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z 100%. Like, it's even think like I'm going to cut carbs 100% rather than I'm going to allow myself some flexibility. Like I think there's a saying and I, I did a whole podcast on this maybe like six months ago or something that uh, 98% is harder than 100% because once you make a decision, it's much so easy to stick to that. But that's not how life is. And actually finding that balance is the hard part. And a lot of people hear, oh, balance is harder. Right, okay. So what should I do? I'm like, do the hard thing. The hard thing is the hard thing usually because it's the right thing. Like if you lean into hard things, then you're probably doing the right thing. <laughs> right. Can we finish um, on we finish on one question for Andy? Yeah. Um right, okay. This is so half half of this question is from a client, and half of this question is just like a good discussion point. Andy, you know, um, we're live. What's he doing? <laughs> Nothing. He's just so close. I think because you guys can't see how close to the camera you both are. It's like... No, I can. I can. Um, we are both really close. Emma sits nice and far back. Me and, me and Andy like this. Hi, this is my nose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andy. Should I yep. take creatine on rest days? That's like the number one 
four par. No, I don't. You How, don't. You, we almost got to the end of the podcast without <laughs> mentioning creatine. Cre- creatine on rest days. No, that's, that's you're going to lose all gains doing that. Okay, and he's being sarcastic. And um, is there an upper limit to how much creatine you should take per day? Yes, Faisal, yeah. there is. <laughs> Five grams is enough. And what happens if you take more than that? You become addicted. <laughs> Creatine's a gateway drug. <laughs> or do, do you know that the, do you know that there are people used to are, say that? Yeah. The the SRU tell their young athletes that protein shakes are a gateway to steroids. <laughs> Shit, you not. I had my, what you you know you know Mary from yeah. Edinburgh. You, so I trained her and our, our younger brother, and her younger brother came back and was like, "Yeah, I've been big doing fan, my big fan. I've been I've been doing my um, like I've been doing the Scotland age group stuff, and they told us we're not allowed to have protein shakes because they pretty much lead on the steroids." <laughs> I just was like, but actually, in a lot of like youth sport, it's kind of like that. And I think because I remember doing athletics, and it was like, "Oh, should we have a protein shake?" No, that will bulk you up. You don't want to be bulky. You'll be too heavy to run. Like blah blah blah. Yeah. And then there's there was like a fear that you'd get caught for for doping because like some might have. I mean, if you don't get the sports, the sports sport, is it sport. insured for sport or whatever it is yeah. insured for sport that that you'd be worried that there might be something within it. And I always think like, and I know that actually quite a lot of supplements are tainted with things which i just think is insane like what are they what they surely can't have steroids in like what what protein company is also making steroids in the same warehouse yeah i just don't think that that happens surprised Yeah, it's the same. There's one. There was a. There was a company in America that got done for that, and the guy got pulled up. And I think he maybe. I think he got fined something massively. But but most people, work. like I mean, maybe not most people, but like most gym people would be like free steroids in my supplement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, the, the pre-workout that this guy was making, the the. Do you remember they used to have the original Jack that had geranium extract in it or DMAA, which is one molecule from amphetamines. They had that and it got banned, but he was still making pre-workouts and putting that in um, without telling anybody because it was obviously a much better pre-workout than any than anybody else. Could yeah, no, that's the only thing I was thinking. Sure. Like, if you just like somehow put some like I don't know Anavar in your protein shake, people would start getting <laughs> some serious results. <laughs> what have you been? What are you? What are you? Yeah, on? It's, just, want, it's this new protein, protein, protein that I got from my protein. It's just weight protein and creatine. Yeah. 100% anabolic. <laughs> People did used to sort of say that though. They'd be like, he's on creatine. Yeah, but then you've obviously got the problem with that is he's on creatine, sarcasm. Yeah. But they then go, by the way, that creatine, oh, hey, hey, better watch creatine. Creatine's bad for you. <sighs> I think yeah, I know. Then it gets. Point. <laughs> I, I think I was quite lucky that the first gym job I had. They were all, I think they were all quite big on like the Reddit forms. Yeah. And so like they always had these like in jokes about stuff like that, which I like didn't really understand. But obviously I kind of worked, well, they told me what they were. A lot of it was, do you remember when people used to comment on photos being like, she looks good, but she's got really pointy elbows? Yeah, that's the growth hormone. <laughs> what? 
I don't know. I never thought. And then like someone had commented it on on one of my photos, and they were like, "Yeah, look good, but shame about your pointy elbows." And I was like, "What the fuck?" So, but apparently it's to do with growth hormone and the secretion of things like it adds extra calcium to 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 joint ends and stuff. Um, oh. So that's what it comes from. It's the same thing with like, um, you know, certainly when it comes to like females taking a, a lot of st- a lot of stuff, starts to change their jaw shape and stuff as well. Mm. So you know, and that's why gaps in teeth. You know, that's I think that was the one that they always. Yeah, do you remember like, when they like started logical. talking about that? And I did notice that a lot of female sprinters had braces. Yeah. Oh, well, like was, later in life, and I was like, Oh. Who was the big one? Was it Flojo? Was she one of the ones that got? No. Well, more recently, it was uh, this Jamaican girl. You had Marion Jones as well, didn't you? Well, she she did get done for steroids. Yeah, and also like her husband is like he was getting done regularly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Wasn't but no, it's, it's all to do with how it changes the it changes the growth plate. But and then stuff you like think, mm, but now all of her records have been like someone's running faster, apparently clean. Well, you could say that about the whole of athletics. To be fair, like the, yeah, you the, can, and I do. <laughs> Yeah, if you look at look at the men's hundred the men's hundred meter times, the top fifty, I think there's only one person left that's that hasn't been struck off because of Yeah, there's it. a I can't remember which Olympics it was, but it was known as like the dirtiest race in sport and it, only one of them so, hasn't been done. Not Beijing, was it not Beijing? No, it, it was before that. It was before that. It was before like that. it was Carl Lewis that won, so it must have been before uh, that. LA, Los Angeles, nineteen eighty six. No, maybe that was it. Thing, that's that's the one that's the the one where Ben Johnson, yes, Carl yeah, Lewis, yeah. and who was which one got away with it? Carl Lewis. Carl Lewis, yeah. Ben Johnson yeah. was like the and, scapegoat of it all. Ben, ben I read Johnson, this book; it's so good. I can't remember what it's called now. Speeds, speed something. But it was it was all about that whole scandal. It was the so fascinating. Documentary Icarus on Netflix is unbelievable. Mm. So intense and so. You I just think this it. book was written by Ben Johnson's coach. Oh. It was a really interesting insight, and there was like the politics behind it. Have you heard about um, the new shoes that people are wearing? <laughs> That's like this is the new thing in athletics that now it's like technology doping. Is this the things that are like springy, like springboarded bottom trainers? I think something like that. Like, there loads of people are breaking records because these shoes are, like, giving back energy, kind of. It's to do with the, the kinetic energy of driving in a, into the ground that forces you back. Sounds a little bit Marvel and superhero-ish to me, to be fair. Um, but, I mean, thing. they are breaking a lot of records, so I imagine... Yeah. Well, it's the same thing as, remember, the swimmers all had yeah, the... Remember they had... The, was it the shark suits? Yeah. They had the all-in-one body suits that they were using, and that was like trimming three seconds, four seconds off folks' records and stuff. So that'll that'll probably you probably find that that'll change within the next. In fact, but then I mean, it just seems like fair enough if everyone has these shoes. But what if you're from a poorer country or like you're a new athlete or you can't afford yeah. these shoes for some reason? It just doesn't seem. It's the same as for it's the same as things like motor racing, Formula One. It's not about the driver, it's about who's got the best yeah, car. Yeah, but I think that that wasn't, that's such a huge part of the sport. I think with a sport like athletics, which is meant to be more pure, yeah, that that's actually, you know, like, like, you don't want 
that no, like you want to see who can run the fastest not yeah you take it out because they, they can't you you know if you're getting as, exactly as you say you know you come from a like country in the middle of nowhere where you have no money given to you and you're just doing it because you love doing it and you're going up against somebody who has all the technology and gadgets in the world like it's it's an unfair playing field but you know the unfair playing field is actually nothing to do with the trainers it's to do with you're assisting nowadays unfortunately yeah i mean you can argue these like in many ways though for example like kenyans that are born and live at altitude yeah 100 an advantage there but then also they probably don't have enough money for or many of them don't have enough money for the fancy shoes well there was there was also did you not see the one you're talking about the jamaicans the jamaicans um apparently they get popped onto an island somewhere where wada are not allowed no 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 there's another there's another part of it where like the wada drug testers all get their they get their um, visas revoked so they're not allowed to go on so they don't get tested (laughs) do you know what i saw recently it was like this uh it might have been a kenyan athlete who faked um a car crash to avoid the drug testers and like got this whole like medical records and stuff that was like oh no i was in hospital at the time (laughs) <laughs> considering we've got a British athlete that decided to say that I didn't hear them because I was in the shower for an hour <laughs> who was that? Sense. Mo Farah not Mo no 100% what's the same thing as the cycling like look at the boy Shane Sutton and stuff like that like you know they're handing over brown paper bags but I'm not allowed to tell you what's in the brown paper bag but it definitely helped like you know, we the whole thing with like the Seb Co thing has been the, the the head of international athletics. It's like we think that Britain's like the the saving grace of sport. Like we Seb are just as dirty, we are just as dirty as the rest of them. We're just better at getting away with it. So, I read I, Seb Co's book and it's one of the most boring things I've ever read. It was he, worse than Paula Radcliffe's biography. <laughs> and that is the next level. Paula Radcliffe has a biography. Yes. Yes, because she's phenomenal. Like, she is uh, yeah, she's phenomenal. Phenomenal athlete. But let's be but fair. boring as hell. An autobiography of ran 12 miles today, slept, ate. Well, that's what your mum said. Yeah, what? she was like, what did you think she was going to write about? All she does is run. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I was going to hear about the partying at the weekends, getting absolutely off her nut, going mental, and then turning up on Sunday and smashing her. I do think her. she's quite sassy, though, Paula. Is she? I've always I think because she, I don't know, she feels there's like a little bit of bitterness, but she's quite sassy in her commentary. She's always like, she's like very, obviously very anti-drugs. But if anyone's yeah. like ever had a band, she's like, well, you know, we don't know what, we don't know what she's been doing. Yeah. I like the sassy commentary. Mm. Okay. Well, on that note, <laughs> love you, Paula. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Ciao, ciao.